So just kind of going through questions that um, have been asked. And, and I, I said I was going to try to answer every single question. I'm, I'm almost there. <laughs> so I think that we, we're, we're getting there. So um, I don't think I can catch every single question. I even said I was. But um, we'll still, we'll continue to hit these, these questions. Are believers being disobedient by not going to a mission field was a question that was given. And uh, so what is the answer to that question? I would say yes. <laughs> you're being entirely disobedient if you're not going to the mission field. But you need to figure out what the mission field is. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 is, what is the mission field? Um, whenever the word mission field comes out, uh, we think foreign, automatically foreign. It's kind of the way the, the church has taken that word and we've taken that word as mission field is foreign missions or it is full-time missions. You know, it's a full-time pastor. It's full-time minister in those things. So when I say yes, I say absolutely, you need to go to the mission field. The Bible says absolutely go to the mission field, but then what is the definition of the mission field? Uh, My definition of the mission field is the second that you walk out this door. Um, and, um, and I would even stretch that a little bit further because there's a lot of ministry and mission that you're passing by of people before you even walk out this door in regards to the mission field. Is that where we are at and where God has placed us is our responsibility. Where we are at and where God has placed us is our responsibility to share the love of Christ to those people around us. Uh, whether we're a plumber, a janitor, a, a teacher, this is God's method of evangelizing to the world. The way we do it is that God sends us out into the world, works inside the world, as Paul was a tent maker, for the purpose of giving the gospel to the world. If all of us were pastors, um, what we would do is that we would just all walk in this room and we'd compete who gets to talk first. I mean, the, the, message, would go, the message would go nowhere. Um, so it, God hasn't designed us all to be pastors and teachers. God has made the body in such a way to function in such a way for the process of the world to be unchanged. And therefore, everybody has a responsibility to walk into the mission field. And the mission field is the people that you are in contact with. And I would also say the most powerful mission field that we have is when I think of this word mission field is with our children um, and with our families. Because God has granted us such authority, authority means power of impact, authority to our children and such authority to our mates that we can minister in such a way that is going to change our nation because we've changed our family. In fact, I can't even wait until we get into Ephesians chapter 5, and this is going to start in September, where we're going to talk about the believer's family, because we're going to spend September all the way to December on the believer's family. Uh, why? Because the strength of the family is the strength of the nation. And the nation will fall if the families fall. And if you look at all the different countries that are out there, the countries that are a massive poverty, the countries that are destroyed, the countries that are struggling, the countries where the, the people are abused, is, a, is the countries that have not put together what a family is have not embraced what the family is. So when we look at the mission field, the first mission field is I walk right into my home and I have such a strong impact on my children, a strong impact on my wife, and therefore by the way I live in that home is going to determine fruit or lack thereof. 
And so when it comes to mission field, yeah, you're walking out the door. Yeah, you're walking into the home. Yeah, you're walking into our job. Mission field is where you're going because you have that message to give it to the world. Now, just to bring it up, what about foreign missions? Um, Should people go on foreign missions? I'd say yes, absolutely people should go on foreign missions. But I'd also um, say that people should go on foreign missions if they're stirred, pushed, motivated. And this is, this is with, with God. God is sending people overseas. He put it on my heart, you know, to, uh, I'd say, to, put it, to do every single job that I did. He, he guided me and directed me. As I look at my life, you know, I worked for UPS. I, you know, I went fishing in Alaska uh, for, for three months. I was a, a logger, a helicopter logger, where I was a hooker at the bottom of the helicopter. And I did that uh, for two years. And then I worked for the state of Oregon uh, for 10 years. So I did, I did all these jobs. And when I look back at all these jobs, um, I say, God, I think I did all those because of what I'm doing, you know, even right now. Training for what I'm doing even right now. So all those jobs were God's sovereign plan that are in my life. Your jobs are God's sovereign plan if you're being obedient to him in your life. Remember I talked about the will of God is that, you know, follow the written will and God will guide you in the providential will. So your job carries power and that is your specific mission field. Some people are in foreign missions that shouldn't even be in foreign missions. Because they look at it and say, you know what, you know, I don't really like any jobs on this earth and what I, or in America, and what I'd really like to do is I'd really like, you know, um, I'd really like to do this because, I mean, just think of the cost of living over there. Oh my goodness, it's such a lot less. And as a result of the cost of living over there, I think I'll go be a missionary to that field. Hawaii, well, it's not the cost of living, but Hawaii needs missionaries, you know. And, you know, it, we're all judged on our motives. You know, we're not judged by our actions. You know, we think that, that, um, that, okay, well, Mike's a pastor, therefore he's going to receive a, a whole bunch of blessings. Well, there's one thing about the blessings that I'm going to get and rewards in heaven is all the blessings that I'm going to get and receive are from my motives, not my work. Why do I do what I do? And so we have to think about that in regards to foreign missions. What are our motives? Is it because God has created me to be there? Is it because God has sended me to be there? Is it because God wants me to be there? Then I would say, absolutely go into the foreign mission field because we need them as well. But never look at the jobs or your life as God has this category and this category and missions and pastorate is, is like the ultimate category of blessing and the other jobs are just, you know, semi. No, we have the same gospel for the same purpose. And we're being judged by motives. And are we given it or are we not? And that is the question. So absolutely, yes. But I definitely wouldn't go into, oh, I have to go to the foreign mission field. Because um, that's not, um, I don't think the Bible, the Bible is there. Uh, number two, this is an interesting question. And I would also say a difficult question. <laughs> and I had to think about this one for a while. And I don't even know if I have the right answer. Because it's like, oh my goodness. Because, you know, you look into history and those things. But let's read the question. And, uh, and <laughs> you guys might be disagree with me or not. But I don't know. How would you answer this question? It says, the, foundation, the founders of our nation took up, took up arms to fight against tyranny. And we honor them for that. Would it ever be right to take up arms to restore our nation? If so, how would we know when, the longer we wait, 
the bigger the task? Which is an interesting question. Uh, so the answer that I just came up with, and I'm just, I just put it there and you know, we can talk about it, discuss it. We should war with the weapons that are permitted. Um, and people think, oh, what do you mean by, what do you mean um, by that? Um, what I mean by that is that we should be wise. <laughs> and what I mean by wise is that we should, wisdom is seeing the whole picture, seeing the entire picture um, that, that is um, there and is at stake. And if you look at the entire picture, you do see history of, you know, the Puritans. They actually took up, took up arms. And, um, and then you also see, um, you know, Jonathan Edwards. This time they, they, took, up, they took up arms. And, and John Calvin, who has amazing theology, and, um, and, 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 and he um, had two heresies, two people that were preaching complete heresies that had a massive influence. And people asked John Calvin, should they die? And you know what John Calvin said? He says, yeah, they should. And, and he's being criticized to this day for saying that, you know, I can't believe you just allowed people to die. But in his mind, he's thinking, well, these people are spreading a completely different gospel that's changing different, um, different eternities. And uh, would God want them to die? Would God not want them to die? You know, and so, so it's a really difficult question. They're like, well, what do we do? What do we do here? And um, so the reason why I came up with we should war with the weapons that are permitted is that we have been given the weapon of prayer, which is an extreme powerful weapon. We have been given the weapon of voting, which is an extreme powerful weapon. We have been given freedoms in the United States of America. And as we take these freedoms, we should war with those freedoms. <laughs> and we should move with those, those freedoms. And we should be aggressive with the freedoms in the context of what our government um, has, has, has granted us and has given, has given to us. And the reason why I would say this is because, because we're carrying the name of God and we're carrying this gospel. And um, what happened when the apostles, they were killed, they were martyred, their, their lives were laid down. Um, but when their lives were laid down, the ministry continued to grow more and more and more because during that time, they were laying their lives down for the cross and the ministry was just absolutely exploding and it was God's strategy for the purpose of literally growing the church. And the government was to the point where don't kill any more Christians. And the reason why we can't kill any more Christians because it says that their gospel exists because they'll lay their life down. So if you kill one Christian, you're going to get 20 more. <laughs> if you kill another one, you're going to get 100 more. And all of a sudden, these, these Christians are just multiplying like crazy. And what happens is that's what we see the world, um, the world take place in the, in the start of the church. It was happening because people were laying their lives down. And they're doing it in the context of using the weapons that were literally um, permitted. They were not using the sword that was fighting. But in this question, you said, the founders of our nation took up arms to fight against tyranny that takes place. If you look into our nation, they were preachers. They were Christians. They were the ones that says, you know what we need to do? We need to take up arms because if this nation does not change, you know what's going to take place is <laughs> for the rest of the for the rest of the time, it's going to be tyranny. But we're at a point where this nation should change, where we should be an independent nation. And what did they end up doing? They ended up uh, taking up arms. It was a, a movement um, that, that, uh, um, that happened 
um, in regards to um, our country that is being built. And as a result, guess what takes place? We live in a Christian nation. We get the, the blessing for that. So, so I would say, were they wrong? <laughs> you know, because if you're going to say the apostles were right and, and they're wrong, that's why I'm saying this is a difficult, a, a difficult uh, question. Um, were they wrong? Well, again, I'm going to give you the answer. We should war with the weapons that are permitted. We go back to the Civil War, and in the Civil War, what happens is that slavery was being broken um, in America. And as slavery was being broken, a lot of people ended up dying. So think of that concept right now. All of a sudden, we are trying to break something that is is, is, is um, annihilating the name of God, that is oppressing people. Let's just say slavery is here right now. And all of a sudden, the Civil War starts to break out. What are Christians supposed to do in regards to the Civil War that is broken out in regards to slavery, in regards to not? I would say we should war with the weapons that are permitted. All of a sudden, the country moved into a, a, a Civil War for um, a purpose. And the purpose was we've got to break the break the, the chains of slavery. So should we take up arms then? You know, I would use this passage, Ecclesiastes 3, 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, and also, you know, a time, a time for peace as well. So the answer is wisdom, the answer is discernment, the answer is where is God's name in, in, in those pieces of it, um, should Christians right now look and see what's going on and say, you know what, God just does not carry the power to save our nation. We need to take it into our hands to do it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I, think that's, I think that's wrong. But as people are stepping forward and saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, and as we see the country start moving, yes, we should have a voice, and yes, we should use the sources, resources under law that has been given to us. And all of a sudden, say, what, say things just break out into a civil war. <laughs> you know, as, as things break out into the civil war, what are you supposed to do? Um, you know, <laughs> you come up with your own answer. But I, I would come up with the answer of having wisdom, observing it to see what's taking place. But should we be, be driving that? No, I don't think we should be driving that um, at all. Matthew 26 does Jesus' words, put your sword back in its place. Speaking to Peter, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you, do you think I cannot call on my Father and he will at once put my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Number one, if you draw the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And then number two, Jesus saying, I'm in charge. <laughs> so you got, you got the two of them that are taking place. So is God calling us to use the sword? You need to come up with that answer. Did God ever call anybody to use the sword? I can't read the Old Testament and say, <laughs> and say, no, he never called anybody. I mean, you, you, you just can't. If somebody came in here with, a, you know, an AR-15 and started shooting all of you, and, um, and somebody had a gun, is God calling you to use the sword? You know, I, I mean, I would say, yes, God's calling you to use the sword, save lives. You know, you see, I mean, that's, you know, those are the pieces that we will look at in a question in, a question in regards uh, to this. Walk slowly. Have wisdom right now. Use all the weapons that are at disposal, weapons of prayer, weapons of voting, weapons of love, weapons of the gospel. Use all those weapons that are um, uh, weapons of calling senators. You know, people have been calling senators in regards to, you know, the things that are being advertised. Use all the weapons at our disposal um, to um, get rid of the enemy that is attacking our country, which we know there is an enemy who is attacking our country.
So I do want to say again, if you guys have questions, <laughs> raise your hands. So, oh boy, I, I knew this topic would bring up questions. So, and maybe I need to go through this, this piece right here. Remember, there's a, when it comes to you know, beliefs, doctrines, and teachings, and stuff like that, there's four Ds. Remember the D? You have discussion, you have debate, you have divide for, and then you have die for. You know, I think these guys are discussion and debate. You do that by just talking about it. They're not divide for or die for, so you know, don't get too mad at me. Go ahead, Peter. Uh, we see today that a lot of people, a lot of Christians, are pushing back in many places on things such as critical race theory. And I think there is a significant number of states now approaching half of them that are going to outlaw it. And what that says to me is that as Christians, we need to be willing to stand up and speak out. And maybe we're not ready to fight with a gun yet, but we can use our voice and our presence and make sure that the people around us know exactly what we stand for and when they're doing something wrong, especially the politicians. We need to push back on what they're doing. And I think that's a really important step at this point. And as I wrote this answer, we should war with the weapons that are permitted. Those weapons are permitted, granted to us. And I so much agree with you, Pete, that absolutely we need to be aggressive. And because what is interesting, and this is just interesting in our country, is they're not going after adults. They're going after our children. They, they're, you know, my wife works in the public school system. They say, you know, they, they, want, they want our children so they can take this generation. And, um, and yes, we should be standing up. We should be voicing uh, our concerns. And, and, and also be cautious where we voice our concerns. Um, and what I mean by cautious what we voice, uh, voice our concerns is that, you know, my wife works at the public school. People come in, they'll just voice their concerns. And she's like, I agree with you. I, 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 I agree. I can't do anything. It's, it's, not, it's not there. It's not, you know, I agree with you. Take it. You know, move. Here, talk to this person. Talk to this person. Because there's, right now there's lots of, um, you, you want to know where to put your, your heat. We'll just put it that way. Uh, put the heat where it counts and uh, where it can make a difference, not where it doesn't make a difference because we're just destroying our ministry otherwise than that. But absolutely. All right. Christian. One of the tools that we have is uh, petitions, and so we're talking about our weapons, right? And there's some things that have passed, gun control measures. And as a church, and being active, one of the things we can do is sign those petitions to say we don't agree with what our representatives have passed. I regret I have not printed out any, but is that something that is acceptable at Jefferson Baptist to bring in petitions um, to be an active church that's involved with politics? That is a very good question, and a lot of people might not like my answer, you know, um, in regards to this question, because it is a very, a very good question. Um, we shout from the top of our lungs, is sign all the petitions you possibly can. You guys be connected with what's going on out there, what is taking place out there. Um, but we also take a very, I'll just be completely honest with you, tight rein on our our foyer. <laughs> we do. And what I mean by a tight rein of our foyer is, I wouldn't say weekly, but I would say, you know, depending on the weeks, you know, people go, hey, I, I got a ministry I want to advertise um, in your foyer. And it's a good ministry. It's a great ministry. I have, I have um, something I want to advertise from your pulpit. Um, hey, this ministry is taking place here. So all of a sudden, this church gets inundated with things that are taking place from the, from the outside. And, um, and the worst part of my job that I hate more than anything is why can't you just embrace absolutely everything that is taking place out there? Um, because people are looking at 
okay, there's a lot of people that show up at Jefferson Baptist Church. Let's take that and let's, let's get something done. And, uh, and, and so when it comes to petitions, it would be, okay, let's take this and let's get something done. But um, in the back of our mind, we're thinking, what is allowed and what is not allowed? And, and whatever is allowed is a direction that we can go and get off track or on a different track really, really fast. And, um, and the other thing is, is that a lot of the stuff um, is... Um, um, is even um, touchy. We'll just put it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just um, say, you know, um, one thing that is that is touchy. And I think I, I can say it in here. And I, you know, I, abortion is, abs- is is murder. I mean, that's what it says. That's what it says in the Bible. Um, it is it is it is murder. And it's easy just to to shout that and to, and to fight that with an, with an absolute um, hammer. Um, but as we we fight that with a hammer. How many people are going to walk through the doors that have committed abortion um, in the past and that needs to be, you know, because everybody who walks in the doors is our, our, is our ministry, is, is, our, is our love, is our embrace. How many people are going to walk through and say, everywhere I go, I get reminded I'm a murderer. I get reminded that I'm a killer. Nobody's given me another word past it. Nobody's given me another statement of past it. Everywhere I turn up, there's no safe place for me. And, and with all the abortions that are taking place, you know, I think there's a massive rejection uh, to the church, and sometimes I think there just needs to be this an overwhelming aggression to these these ladies. It's a hard one because it's like you're committing murder, you're killing somebody. There's forgiveness. We have a God. What, you know, what do we do? What do we take place? And then everything that they have seen in the past. So you know, some some of the abortion things have gotten really, really crazy. And um, is that all of a sudden now we're identifying with everything that has taken place and everything, everything that has happened. So the abortion thing is, is really, really tough to create a safe environment and to create an aggressive environment to go um, specifically um, at war with it. So what we want to do is we want to do both of them. And so as we do them both of them to, to combat that, um, we're not putting... A lot of them on display. In other words, some of the ones were on display is that, you know, we have a, there's a church that's taken place, you know, um, at Planned Parenthood. You know, we encourage people. Yeah, you can definitely go to Planned Parenthood and be, and be part of that church. There's a, a lot of ministry that's taken place in regards to Planned Parenthood and praying against it, moving against it, and, and just praying outside of it. And uh, we're going to consistently um, push those things and, and encourage those things to, to be, uh, to be um, a part of. Um, so, but to answer your question... When it comes to petition, when you say, sign this, we are on a mission. I mean, that's just what we are. We're on a mission. This is the mission. We're going to sign this, and we're going to stop this. Um, we want to say that the church is on a mission. Some people might disagree with it, but working with a lot of people, we are on this mission. And what this mission is, is this mission is the gospel, because the gospel is the only thing that's going to change the world, and our laws are not. Period. And it's only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and that's what we're really, really selling. And so we're not doing petitions um, that are out there. We're encouraging, we're giving voter pamphlets and those things, but we don't have petitions. Yeah, Chris. So one thing I just learned last year um, was that, just, just sharing, maybe everyone knows this, but you can print your own petitions. So you can print it, you can just sign your household 18 and over, and it shows you how to mail it in. Um, you can print off several and go around and collect them. It tells you the rules of how to get those signatures. But anyway, educating ourselves on, I mean, that was just new to me last year and some of the things I was trying to learn about petitions. 
we can educate ourselves individually. It doesn't have to be in the church. The church does not have to lead it. And especially, I like what you're saying, the focus is sharing the gospel and, and not these petitions, even though you encourage us individually. And then the second thing is <clears throat> just a resource. Um, David Barton and Wall Builders Ministry really is a, um, <clears throat> encourages you to understand our founders and what our nation was founded on, um, understanding the Constitution and what our rights are, um, and as believers and how we can be active. So that there's practical steps and tools that we can do as, as a Christian in America and how to turn the tide. And so anyway, that's David Barton and Wall Builder Ministries. Absolutely. David Barton, Wall Builder Ministries. There's, um, you know, I don't think I should ever say this from the pulpit, and I, you know, forgive me for saying it. Watch the news. <laughs> Watch what's going on. Watch what's taking place out there. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I don't even want to tell you to do that because it's, 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 it's corrupt, but we should know what to pray for. We should know what our kid's up against. We should know the resources that are out there that are educating us in an area that is a direction of petition signing and, and those things. We should, we should know all that, and, um, and we should be aggressively going after it because it is, it's, it's God's world, and we have a gospel. And uh, as we give the gospel, we need to know what we're walking into in regards to the world um, that we are we're going into. So absolutely, I completely agree. Grab the resources. Take what you... Take what you can learn. Know. Educate yourself um, constantly because the church is the only thing that's going to change the world. Um, and I say the church is going to change the world, but, you know, I'll just let you guys know, too. This is theology. It's only going to get worse and worse and worse, and worse <laughs> until we get to the tribulation. I mean, that is what's going to take place. And I will tell you that in, in my mind, and even when I'm preaching the, the word and the gospel, I, again, I've said this before, but it's not to fight against the flow, it's to survive the flow, because when we use all of our means and our resources, and we feel like we're still underneath the water, well, we can't break. We can't disunify. We cannot shatter. We've got to maintain and survive and uh, keep moving forward, and that's exactly what they did, um, the apostles did in the book of Acts, as they survived the flow. Good topics, difficult topics, <laughs> but uh, that's just kind of where we're, we're sitting and, and, um, and uh, aggressive things are going on. And it is very difficult when they go on after our children. And that's how we're going to talk about critical race theory because I believe it is something that, um, that can be talked about from you know, uh, the pulpit just in regards to what it um, is offering um, our children um, in those things. Uh, here, keep on going. How should a Christian view gun control? <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't believe you guys ask questions like this. How can you guys ask questions like this? Uh, good questions. Actually, they're, they're phenomenal questions. And, and James 4.1 just says, you know, it's, you know, it's not worth the guns. What causes fights and quarrels among you, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Um, everything that has taken place is coming from what's in us, not from what's outside of us. And whatever is inside of us, we're going to try to find tools to use for the outside of us. And, and we're going to aggressively look for tools. In other words, if we don't have a tool, we're going to find a tool that is going to take place. So get rid of all guns. You know, um, I mean, this is just maybe it's, maybe it's my my piece, but get rid of all guns, um, you are not getting rid of the heart. And if you're not getting rid of the heart, there can easily be a heart that enters this church. 
and uh, that is absolutely corrupt. And gun control, um, and I'm sure many of you guys disagree with me if you want, that's, that's okay, but gun control um, um, can take more out than even give more life, you know, um, in regards to the heart that is, that is driving. Um, so, yes, it's my opinion, and, and I will be honest with you, that the safest place I feel in is, is in Jefferson Baptist Church because I know how many people are packing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Well, it's, just, it's just where we're at. But, I mean, just those pieces, and, and why? It's because we love, and, and, and we do. There is a love that takes place there. And, um, and then there is nothing in Scripture that says don't defend it. There's nothing in Scripture that says allow it. Let people lay their lives down for no meaning or purpose, you know, what, whatsoever. Um, so that's, that's uh, my take on it is that, you know, the battle is, is within. And it's with absolutely everybody um, that, um, that has something burning within. And those things are coming to the surface off of uh, mass shootings that take place. Get rid of all guns. It's just not going to fix the heart. It's just not going to fix the heart. What is going to fix the heart, though? Oh, my, we know something that will. <laughs> the gospel would fix the heart. That's why we consistently preach it. Feel free again to ask questions. I appreciate you guys raising your hands during this, the, the last pieces of it. So just to see if hands go. Oh, we do have questions that are taking place here. Just wait one second because um, Gordon is on his way and we do want it um, on people that are even listening as well. Okay, Mr. Mike, or Pastor Mike. I'm going to ask permission because mine's not so much a question as a statement. Is that okay? Um, a question with a statement? Um, you can make a statement. Yeah, it's, I'm not going to talk politics so much as history. Just as long as you don't tell people what for. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not a chance. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, when it comes to gun control, the Second Amendment was written not for us to protect our homes or go hunting or any of these things that we keep hearing. The Second Amendment was written to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. And it was the Second Amendment because the First Amendment, which is your right to free speech, but more importantly, your right to freedom of religion, which is what actually got half the colonies in the war, not taxes or representation. And it was designed so that we could sustain all the other nine amendments and protect our right to speech and religion from a government that would take it from us. And we are now at that point. Now, that doesn't mean run out and start a war. What it makes very clear, and the Founding Fathers made it that way, is that when your government starts taking your guns away, they're not protecting you, they're protecting themselves, because resisting them is why it exists. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I agree with you, John, completely, and I, I think that uh, that's, uh, that's well, you're correct, I mean, just by, by even saying that. And, um, and so we are in hot times. <laughs> I mean, what I mean by hot times is that, you know, different things are changing. Um, and what I mean, freedom of speech is, is struggling. Freedom of religion. Um, freedom of religion is going. And then we're going to go back to, um, you know, the other questions. The founding fathers of our nation took up arms. You know, is it time for Christians to take up arms? And I'm like, okay, we just moved one question back to the other question. It's like, ah, you know, um, and, and 
you know, personally, I would just still say, you know, carry what we got. In other words, um, in regards to where we're at, because it is going to get worse and worse and worse. And one thing good um, about evil, and I would say evil in government, I'll just say it, is that evil collapses. <laughs> because what evil does is evil fights. As soon as, as, soon as you back off, you're not the, the object. Evil f- goes inside house and starts fighting. And then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden it starts, collapses it. It starts getting destroyed, uh, de- getting destroyed within. And, um, and I would definitely be um, praying towards those regards. I think there's a lot of, and you know, I'm going with my mind and those things, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a majority out there that, um, that just hangs on to the biblical principles that our country was founded on. Um, I think that's why the aggression to go after our children is so big, because there's just not enough to change America yet. <laughs> and that's why I think they're going after our children. And I think that's where we really do need to make sure that we're, we're fighting for the rights of our children and, um, and, um, and that's those pieces of it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, use wisdom, you know, in regards to that. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? You know, and I also said that, you know, in regards to we should war with the weapons that we've permitted, all of a sudden, religious freedom is gone. So um, all of a sudden, uh, freedom of speech is gone. And a civil war all of a sudden rises. Um, you know, as a civil war rises, where we're all going to war, literally right now, you know what I'm going to say? Hey, guys, just, just go into cover. Just I don't do anything. Don't do anything. Don't anything. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, to the church. I'd say... We should war with the weapons that are permitted, you know, that are taking place as our countries. And I'd, I'd say that very, very lightly. So lightly in the sense of use your conscience, you know. But, um, but I wouldn't condemn anybody that says, you know, now's the time. Now's the time. Uh, divorce separation. Um, and I guess, you know, I just want to make, I mean, because this is, this is thick conversations. Um, and, and thick talking, and of course it's going to go on the web, so they're probably going <laughs> to take it, and, you know, take it to wherever uh, they they want to go with it. But I don't think that a Christian force is is the drive of a revolt. That the Christian force should revolt. It just it hasn't. It did not bring um, um, the church to rise and to fight to use the weapons that are not granted. I just I just don't believe that that's that's the drive of the church. That's the mission of the church. Uh, that's the push of the church. I believe that the drive, the mission, the push of the church is, is again, at the center of that gospel message. And then John gives us so many warnings that you're going to have to take a bullet for it. I mean, you're going to have to be willing to, to die for this gospel message. That's why every step, we don't know the answer. We just have to make decisions every step of the way and use massive, massive wisdom in regards to everything that we have at our disposal. All right, really quickly, um, divorce separation, the, the comment was just given, what do you think about, you know, divorce separation? And I just kind of put some things down um, to just give us a, um, the, the, um, the view of, of the topic in regards to um, marriage. Uh, what's the problem? I just put down, as a result of sin, marriage will struggle. You know, we see the annihilation of relationships in, in Genesis chapter 3. As soon as sin entered the world, relationship with God and man was what? Broken relationship with man and women was broken. Relationship with man or women and say, um, Satan was even broken. It's just an annihilation of relationships. And so, if you you read that whole chapter, you can see the annihilation of relationships. And, and when you get married, I mean, you can just look at your 
person you're saying vows to and say, the reason I'm saying these vows is because you and I are going to struggle. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. I mean, sin has entered the world. You and I are going to struggle. But in the process of struggling, I want you to know that we'll be better, we'll be stronger, we'll be healthier. I want you to know, I mean, these are vows that you're saying to your mate. I want you to know that the world will see Jesus because of our struggle and how we're going to respond to our struggle. The world will see Jesus in a real rich way that the world has never seen Jesus before as a result of you and I struggling. That's why for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, that's why you're doing all that because sin has entered the world and man and women are different. And the one thing that is so predictable about the couple, just predictable, is you're going to struggle. But the one thing that we don't know is that the world will see Jesus in a beautiful light as a result of that struggle if we are committed to each other. Our children will see who God is, because we're going to go through chapter 5 and Ephesians, who God is in an extremely rich way through the husband and wife being two different people, knowing that they will struggle and in the process of that struggling, make a family unit that is so strong and so powerful and make a world around them see Christ in his glory. So there is a problem. What problem is the result of sin? Marriages will struggle, but what's the blessing? The struggle provides That's a a typo, sorry. The struggle provides us and the world a metaphorical picture of a relationship between Christ and a church. Christ struggles with us. I just want to to tell you that. He struggles with us. How does he struggle with us? You have sin. Therefore, there is no relationship between us and Christ, period, until that sin is paid for. And he went to the cross, sweat blood, And in the process of paying the extreme price, the one barrier, the one elephant that was in the room that we talk about or that's destroying our relationship with Christ, and paid absolutely everything, paid the entire price, lived the life we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died, and then rose again. Why? For one purpose, so we can have this relationship with him. We can have this relationship with him. A lot of people is like, you know, I'm not a sinner. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I really necessarily need God. Yeah, God accepts everybody. Yeah, God loves everybody. No, the Bible is saying everybody struggles, meaning you have sin, but there is a Savior that has paid the price for your sin, and this is the display of love that he's given to us. Well, just think of a, a relationship, husband and wife, that is struggling. And say the husband doesn't really need to forgive. In other words, he had a right not to forgive this one. This one, the wife did something that's absolutely horrific. He could keep that burden for the rest of his life and probably be justified in doing it. Um, Well, what's going to happen? You're never going to see the love of God. You're never going to see Jesus. You're never going to see the gospel. Your children are not going to see the gospel. They're going to see a grudge that is going to continue to hold. But what if the husband says, you know what? This is what is done. But because Christ did this for me, I'm going to do it for you. And we're going to continue to move forward and forward and forward and forward. Through this process of every interaction, every argument, kids are watching us like a hawk. Our, our children are watching us like a hawk. And are we completely displaying exactly the relationship that Jesus has with us? I lay down my life so you can live. See, that's what God has put us into the marriage for. I'm going to lay down my life so my wife can live. She's going to lay down her life so I can live. Then we're going to unify together and we're going to proclaim Christ, proclaim Christ through that. We're going to struggle. Therefore, the proclamation is going to be 
big. Where do we go, or where have we gone wrong? We believe that our marriage is for us. See, we walk into marriage and we're saying these vows, to death do us part, I, you know, we're saying all the, the, the vows, and we're saying all those vows for richer, for poor, for better, or for worse. Um, we're saying the vows, but we're not thinking that this marriage is for them. We're thinking it's all for us. What is this person going to give me? Is this person going to make me happy? Is this person going to make me satisfied? Is this person going to strengthen me? Is this person? And then all of a sudden we start sucking the life out of that person because we're trying to build ourselves, ourselves up. So we believe that our marriage is for us. We exist, but it's not for us. We exist to display the power of Christ to our mate. That's what it is. That's what marriage is about. I exist for one person to, explain, to, to display the power of Christ to my wife. And how am I going to explain the power of Christ to my wife? You're forgiven because I've been forgiven. I sacrifice for you because I've been sacrificed for. I give to you because I've been given to. So all of a sudden, Christ is being portrayed in my home and being portrayed in my wife in the process of making her stronger, in the process of making us stronger, in the process of making our family stronger. We said, um, I'll never forget the sermon that was given um, at my, um, and it wasn't even a sermon, it was just challenges, but at my wedding, uh, the pastor is Dr. Herb Anderson, and he says three things, three G's. God, gifts, and goals. God, gifts, and goals. Make sure that you put God in the center. Know that your wife is a gift. And then set goals together for ministry. Those things were given to us. And then he said the words, the reason for your marriage is to make your wife more committed to Jesus Christ. And the reason for your wife, speaking to my wife, is to make your husband more committed to Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we exist. So we walk in these marriages with struggles, and then we work together to get stronger. And that's what marriage is. We exist to display the power of Christ to your mate. We exist to display the power of Christ to our children. We exist to display the power of Christ's sacrifice to the lost world. That's what we do. We believe that our marriage is for us. Don't believe our marriage is for us. It's for the next person. And when you give it for the next person, people get to see Christ. The other area where we go wrong is that we pick brutal crosses <laughs> to die on. In other words, we pick the wrong mate. <laughs> so, so we're supposed to um, display, I'll just say, um, Christ's love you know, for the church and the way that we do it is we display that through um, the sacrifice and the commitment to our mate. But all of a sudden we pick a very difficult one. The one that doesn't, you know, give back to you whatsoever. Or one that doesn't even know Jesus and doesn't even know what you're trying to do. Or one that you have no chemistry with, you know, whatsoever. One that you just got married and the reason why you got married is because there's no one else out there, you know, until you married that person. Well, if you, if you make those decisions, I just want to tell you that you've got a bloody cross, a bloody, bloody cross that is going to be difficult. He still wants you to die on it. It's going to be difficult. He still wants you to die on it. So make it easy. I made it easy on myself. I picked I pick a great wife. And she, and she looks at my sacrifice. She says, well, I'm going to sacrifice to you. She looks at my commitment. She says, well, I'm going to make my commitment to you. And then she looks at my um, um, if I, forgiveness. She says, well, I'm going to make my forgiveness to you. So the, where we go wrong is that marriage is not for us. It's for the person that is there. Do yourself a favor if you're not married and pick the right person. Because no matter what, it's going to be hard. Don't make it harder. Because remember what marriage is for. It's to display 
the love of Christ to your children and the love of Christ um, to, um, uh, to your mate and also to the world. So that's just my, my take on divorce and, and, and separation and, and looking through those things. Um, yes, marriages are breaking, marriages are shattering. We can't have marriage break and destroy and shatter consistently in the church because as that has taken place, God's name is not exalted. And again, in Ephesians 5, come in the fall, we're going to talk a lot about that um, in regards to the family, the believer's family. So questions? Uh, I'm almost going to go to this last one. This is going to be a fast one. It's going to push us into next week. You know, public school versus homeschool nowadays, you know, which one um, should, you, should you pick? And, and my automatic answer is um, um, either. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to say that. And, and, and the reason why, I would just say either. I'm not trying to be nice or not trying to cause um, any conflict. Is that... Um, Use wisdom in, in the whole picture in regard to picking your child, whether they should go to public school or they should go to um, um, private school. There's a lot of arguments um, for a private school um, that are healthy, there's a, that are good. But there's also a lot of arguments for public school, I would say, that are healthy or good. Now, they're completely different, completely opposite. In other words, what you're going to get at the public school is garbage. <laughs> I mean, what I mean by garbage is you're going to get you're going to get the cussing, you're going to get the swearing, you're going to get the you're going to get you're going to get the world uh, in its raw piece. Um, my kids went to a public school, and um, and and as they went to the public school, they got the world in its its raw piece. And um, and I will be completely honest with you, it has benefited to us in our behalf. And the way that's benefited to us in our behalf is the first thing we said all the way in kindergarten is if you hear a word that you don't understand, you tell dad because we want you to be more educated than anybody else in the entire room. So then they started getting to third grade, fourth grade. They said, uh, dad, we don't understand this word. And it's like, well, what is the word? You know, they, they'd tell us the word and we, then we'd educate them. So our sex education was easy. And we started as soon as they heard the words. And when they hear the words, then we started working with it. And then we got to educate them in a great way to say, well, this is what the world says, and this is what the Bible says. This is what's going on. This is why that person's saying it. And then we would completely educate them to the point. It gave us so much freedom to talk to the point where they'd walk into their public schools and say, you know, all you guys are cussing and everything. I'm not cussing, but I know what all the words mean. And I know what, what, is, what is God's design in the process. So it actually was, was a teaching tool. And then they come back, okay, I'm not saying critical race theory, um, it, it hit them because it hasn't hit them. It just went into the school. But I, my guess is they'd come back and say, okay, Dad, let's talk about this. Mom, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So really what takes place is not necessarily the school that is going to make or break, and I'm not going to say in all situations or circumstances, but it is the involvement of the parent. Um, the involvement of the parent is ex- absolutely extreme. And the involvement of the parent can still take place in the public school and takes place in the private school. So yes, that is the core issue. That is the massive core issue. What are we going to do as a parent? Because the parent is actually carries a lot of power in, in your child from, from 5 years old to 11 years old. Then they're handed to peers. So those times are so, so rich. And we knew those times were rich because we studied it. So we were obsessive with our kids during those times. And, uh, and as a result... Um, I wouldn't look back and say, well, I wish I sent my kids to private school. But that's just me. You might look back and say, well, I wish I did send our kids to private school. But, you know, that's, that's why you just make um, decisions on this. And I just want to say something that's really interesting is that um, um, the Mormons, did you know that the Mormons don't have any private schools at all? 
uh, the Mormons don't have any private schools. And the reason why is because they indoctrinate their kids so much, going to seminary five days a week before school starts to take place, to change the public school. That's, that's what, their, that's what their, their, mission, their mission is, which was really interesting uh, to me. So that's why I would say, you know, no, we should pull out of public school. I wouldn't say that. I would say, and I'm not trying to say Mormons are wonderful. <laughs> that's, 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 a wrong, that's a wrong statement. But we need Christians in the public school too. And uh, we need Christian teachers in the public school. My wife being the principal, she's happy that she can hire all Christians for science. <laughs> she just, you know, can do that. She has the power to do that. Um, she doesn't know they're Christians, and she doesn't ask that they're Christians, but she just hires the people that walk in the door. And when the people walk in the door, it seems like it comes up after a while, and it's like, oh, oh my goodness, you are a Christian. I don't know how she sees it, but it, it, does, it does work. So we can't just, you know, throw public schools away but also a parent gets to make a decision, and either one, I would say, um, off of wisdom, would be good, um, is, 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 can be acceptable. So, okay? Looking at the time, 11.15, we're going to dismiss. Next week, we will talk about critical race theory. Yes, study up on it, read on it, and, um, and see what um, is being taught in the schools. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the schools next week um, as well.